You are listening to the Salty Catholic Podcast. I am your guest host, Patrice Abuna, and I'm not salty just because Jesus says you're the salt of the earth, but also because I am a salty feminist. I am proud to be a woman, and I hate the messaging in the modern day feminist movement. I've listened to and read a lot over the past few years that have helped me to marry my identity as a Catholic and my identity as a feminist. And no, the two are not conflicting concepts. So a little background on me. My name is Patrice. I'm a wife. I'm a mother of four, and I work outside the home. In the world of ECRC podcasts, we have three podcasts, and all of which are hosted by men. So I was a little salty that there wasn't a female voice out there. So here I am, because we all know that women have plenty to say. So this topic of the salty feminist, I became really passionate about this topic a couple years ago after reading a phenomenal book by Dr. Carrie Grass called The Anti-Mary Exposed. So I'll go ahead and tag that in the show notes later. But the tagline of the book reads, saving the culture from toxic femininity. Now we typically hear toxic masculinity. So this really caught my attention. And the book really breaks into the roots of the feminist movement and brings to light the dark side of the feminist movement. She really gets into, and in some parts of it, really made me nauseous, really made me have to stop. I I listened to the book. had I had to stop listening to the book. I had to take time to soak it in, sometimes to cry. I got sick to my stomach. It was really, really dark portions of the book that really get into the roots of the feminist movement of how demonic it really was, how the founders are really demonic, Um, some of the truths about abortion that I never really heard in the way that she she really brought them up. So um, she really brings to light the dark side of the feminist movement. I think there's just this, this perception today that feminism is all about women's equality and all about like women's liberation and women having, you know, equal right to vote and equal say in society and all of that stuff, which are all not bad things. You know, women should have the right to vote. Women should be seen as equal citizens in, in society to men. That doesn't mean that women should be the same as men in every way. So her theory um, in this book is how there just how there's an antichrist, there is also an anti-Mary. But the anti-Mary is not a person, but a movement, and it's the feminist movement. So I thought that was really striking. Um, so if you want to grab that book, listen to it, read it. It's phenomenal, really brings out a lot of things. But um, the first topic I wanted to dive into today, um, I just have a couple main points I want to make that I'm going to break out, break down. And then I'm going to kind of give you the antidote at the end. So the first topic is about women's identity. So identity is one of those really fun words that's thrown around a lot these days, but kind of has one meaning, one meaning only. Um, So women's identity, first and foremost, this is something that I've really been praying with a lot lately. Our identity is a child of God. So for, for women, you are a daughter of a king. That is who you are. That is where you get your worth from. It's not from what you do or who you know or what you've accomplished. But intrinsically, in nature, by nature, you were born and always will be a daughter of God. So that is, first and foremost, a woman's identity. But the world tries to tell us these lies. The world tries to tell us that we can do everything that men can do. No, don't get me wrong. I'm a strong woman, and I think women can do a lot of the things that men can do. You know, as the old song goes, anything you can do, I can do better, just like this podcast, gentlemen. But in general, there are things that are different between men and women, intrinsically by nature, the way that we are born, our physical capabilities. So by nature, men are protectors. They're born wanting to protect, wanting to be like just to take care and to make sure that everybody is safe. Where women by nature are nurturers. 
If you ever notice that even if a woman doesn't have children, maternal, her own maternal children, she usually finds something or someone to nurture, whether it's a plant or an animal. We have lots of friends with fur babies or someone else's kids. Could be their sister's kids or their friend's kids. They really just are drawn to this this natural way of nurturing and to it's innate in our nature to want to care for something and to make it better. And also by nature, men are just physically built stronger and have bigger muscle tone and all of that kind of stuff. This is not to say that women can't be strong, whether that's physically or um, their presence in a room. I consider myself to be a strong woman. God bless my husband. It is simply to say that there's a unique identity and a difference between men and women. And we as women should embrace our uniqueness and perfect the talents that we're given rather than trying to be like men. So a quote that I want to read, phenomenal. It's actually from, her name is Camille Paglia. Now, Camille is an outspoken feminist from the 1960s. So she really wanted to share. So she said, wherever I go to speak, whether it's Brazil, Italy, Norway, Toronto, America, I find that upper middle class professional women are very unhappy. Men and women never had that much to do with each other over history. There was this world of men and the world of women. Now we're working side by side in offices at the same job. Women want to leave at the end of the day and have a happy marriage at home. But then they put all this pressure on men because they expect them to be exactly like their female friends. If they feel restlessness or misery or malaise or boredom, they automatically blame it on men. Men are not doing enough. Men aren't sharing enough. But it's not the fault of men that we have this crazy and rather neurotic system where women are now functioning like men in the workplace with all its material rewards. So that's from a feminist. So she's showing how even though women are trying to be like men, there's a natural frustration with it and a natural sense that we're just not happy. So another side effect of women taking on the role of males is that men are now becoming more feminine. Women want their husbands to be more like their girlfriends, to share the workload at home, Now, sharing the workload at home is not a bad thing, especially if the woman is working outside of the home. But the masculine-feminine balance in the home is still important to maintain. And this will look different in every home, so I'm not going to sit here and make any black-and-white proclamation as to the right way. But it's just something to keep in mind, that there is still meant to be a unique role between the man and the woman, the husband and the wife. So in marriage prep, one of my favorite talks that we give, my husband and I present marriage prep within the Chaldean Diocese, And one of the favorite talks we give is called What Men Want, What Women Want. So I get up there as the female and I speak on behalf of the women and I proceed to list six things that women want from men. And then the man goes, my husband goes, and he lists six things that men want from women. So it's usually kind of funny, kind of comical, but they really are these, these fundamental truths as to what we as women need and what men need. So my favorite one for the women is that we need to be listened to, not fixed. And I usually repeat it a couple of times because men don't get it. Now, men are natural problem solvers, but women, we just need to be heard first. We need to be emotionally confirmed that our our dramatic reaction to what the person said is, is just and we are justified in it. And then when we ask, then you can give us your advice and solutions. Sorry, I digress. But the number one thing that women need is security. We need emotional security more than financial security. We need to know that our man will always be there for us. This further exposes us as the vulnerable women that we truly are. Women really are meant to be vulnerable and to rely on and to depend on a man. Now for men, here's where the challenge flips. For men, there's two of the six that I really want to talk about. One of them is let them lead. Men are hardwired to provide for their family, but they need the support of their wife to do this. 
Now, in our community especially, and in our just generation in general, a lot of women are strong, and we love to take the control. We love to to be in charge and to do the things. And we grew up saying, you know, like, go to school and get an education and to, like, take charge. We took charge of lots of things. Like, I personally was school president, you know, class president one year, and, and I love to be in charge of things. But that doesn't mean that in my home, that's what I'm called to do. Now, there's two words that you're all going to hear as bad words when I say them, and that's called being docile and being submissive. And these are words that are just seen as bad words these days. Women hear these words and they just get offended. What do you mean be docile? What do you mean be submissive? I'm a strong woman. I have an opinion. I work hard too and I have worth. Absolutely you do. Absolutely we do as women. But being docile and being submissive are not bad things. It's just who we are called to be as women as as wives. The word docile just means having the openness to learn. So if we sit here and always think we're right and we're never wrong, I'm not actually going to sit and be humble and listen and open to learn, then we're never going to grow as women and as wives. And also to compare it to our relationship with God, when we surrender to God's will, we find ultimate peace. So also when we allow men to be men and we embrace our true feminine role, we will also find peace. Back to the six things that men need. So I'm not going to list all six. But what do you think the number one thing that men need from women is? Nope, not that. It's actually respect. Our role as women is to respect men, to give them dignity, and to allow them to lead. I get it. I get it. Sometimes they're just doing it wrong and we cringe. We want to go over and tell them how to do it. But overall, if we challenge and encourage our husbands and the men in our lives with love, they will absolutely thrive. But if we nag and criticize, we have the potential to destroy our men. So really, women, we should allow the men in our lives respect, always treat them with respect, and they will thrive. Now, I want to read a quote from Fulton Sheen. Blessed Fulton Sheen says, To a great extent, the level of any civilization is the level of its womanhood. When a man loves a woman, he has to become worthy of her. The higher her virtue, the more noble her character, the more devoted she is to truth, justice, goodness, the more a man has to aspire to be worthy of her. The history of civilization could actually be written in terms of the level of its women. So that quote is really stunning to me. And I've heard it multiple times. I've read it multiple times. I've prayed with it multiple times because it really just says that if we lower ourselves as women, lower our standards, or we become wicked women, as is told in the Psalms over and over, woe to the man who has a wicked wife. If we lower ourselves to be wicked women, the entire society will lower its standards as well. But if we increase our standards and we have a noble character, the men have to aspire to be worthy of us, women, that civilization will actually increase in value. So it's a beautiful quote. So that is the role of our identity as women, is to embrace our identity, our uniqueness as women, the talents that we have, the way that we can see things in a different way than men and and nurture in different ways than men, and just to overall bring on the love that only women can have. So to really embrace identity. The next thing I wanted to talk about in terms of the feminist uh, movement is the sexual revolution. So another phenomenal book, and I haven't read the whole thing, but I've heard some interviews with her, and she's quoted a lot in the other book I was talking about, The Antimere Exposed. And the name of the book is called Subverted, How I Helped the Sexual Revolution Hijack the Women's Movement. It's by Sue Ellen Browder. Her story is amazing. Sue Ellen worked at Cosmopolitan Magazine in the 1960s. And they used to have a fiction column at the beginning of every um, issue 
called the Cosmo Girl. And the Cosmo Girl could be anything. She could be a doctor. She could be a lawyer. But there were two things she could never be. She could never be a virgin or a mother. Now, these stories were fiction, and they told of women in New York City having carefree sex with several partners. Now, at the time these stories were being published, this was not actually happening. The author tells of her not thinking anyone would actually believe these outlandish and lavish stories. But women did. And within one generation, we can see that these fiction stories have now become real life. And we can see how this, from a generation ago, from 60 years ago, how it's now worked its way into almost every aspect of our media culture. You can't watch a TV show without there being sex in almost every scene. You can't read a magazine. You can't be on Instagram. You can't be on TikTok. You can't be anywhere on social media without feeling like sexual promiscuity is normal and that everyone just does it and that there's absolutely no repercussions to this lifestyle. So Sue Ellen tells a story about how demonic the feminist movement really was at its roots. Now, the women's movement, which really just fought for equal opportunity for women in education and in the workplace, and the sexual revolution, which was a different movement at the time, which was reducing women to ambitious sex objects, how the two movements became united. So a quote from the book's description says, As a longtime freelance writer for Cosmopolitan magazine, she wrote pieces meant to soft sell unmarried sex, contraception, and abortion as a single woman's path to personal fulfillment. She did not realize until much later that the propagandists higher and cleverer than herself were influencing her thinking and her personal choices as they subverted the women's movement. When I first read this, it made me sick to my stomach. Now, while I'm a cradle Catholic and rooted in my face since a very young age, by literally by God's grace alone, I can see so, so clearly so many of the women in my life since high school through college and post-college that really do hold these things up as their gods. They really feel like they're going to find, that they will find happiness in the culture of promiscuity and sex and no strings attached sex. They feel that becoming a wife and mother is such a burden and will hold them down and crush their dreams, which is why abortion is so common and is seen as such a right, such an entitlement. Babies are seen as an inconvenience and a barrier to women's dreams. So a few years ago, Michelle Williams, in her Golden Globe acceptance speech, listed in her reasons, in her thank you speech, her right to choose as one of her reasons for being able to accomplish her dreams. Now, how terrible is that? She basically got up there and said, because I was able to kill my baby in my womb, I was able to achieve this trophy. Like, that's just so crazy to think of how the world and and society views things that she can accomplish. And she has this gold statue now sitting in her living room because she was able to kill her unborn child because it was inconvenient to be pregnant during filming. Leah Darrow, in response to this, started the hashtag babies and dreams and really has the platform and has the voice of how you can have both, of how women can have babies and have dreams. So we've seen it over and over again in the pro-abortion narrative, how babies are seen as burdens as opposed to blessings. Abortion is a symptom of the disease, which is the hypersexualization of women. We are sexualized at such a young age. You see it in these young girls on social media. You see it in the young girls on the streets in these very skimpy outfits and provocative clothing. And they're just wanting to be sexualized. They're wanting to, because they see it as their power their sexualization, their bodies as a source of power, as the source of their confidence. We are fed the lie that our sexuality is our power, and we should be able to just have sex with whoever, with no strings attached. But as many learn the hard way, this lifestyle just leaves women feeling empty and used. Now, I don't want to bore you with a ton of statistics, but Western women who who currently live with unprecedented wealth, health, and opportunity really don't report being that happy. 
despite the years of aggressive feminism promising the liberation of women, 29% of women are on antidepressants, 11% are anti-anxiety medication, and 8 million suffer from drug or alcohol addiction. And these statistics are pre-COVID. So you're talking about women that have everything we've been promised. We have access to jobs. We have access to free sex whenever we want it. We have access to all of these things, all of these things that are supposed to make us so happy, yet we're not happy. And why? Because we're probably not embracing our identity. So I'm a millennial. Some Gen Zers might, out there might not know who she is. But Barbara Walters, who broke barriers with her journalism accomplishments on TV, doing exclusive A-list interviews until she was well into her 60s, shared in an interview that one of her biggest regrets is not having more children. If career is supposed to be so fulfilling, why was she left feeling so lacking towards the end of her life? And end-of-life doctors over and over again will tell us that the number one regret for women is not having more children. So I think that sometimes we give into these lies of the culture that having children is a burden, that having being able to have an abortion, being able to have sex whenever we want, and focusing on our career so much will make us happy, but really, at the end of the day, it will not. Now, please don't get me wrong. Please don't think I'm saying that women working outside the home is a bad thing. I'm a working mom. I work outside the home. There's a lot that women can contribute to society and in the workplace specifically, but not at the expense of their kids or their home. We should not be allowing the world to raise our children. I know this podcast is called The Salty Catholic, but I don't want to leave you with only salty attitude. I'd love to leave you with some hope today. And that hope is that there is an antidote to all of this. And that is Our Lady. And being really honest, I've always struggled with my relationship and my devotion to Our Lady. I struggle praying a daily rosary. But when you see the truth of the power of the rosary and you really truly pray with who Our Lady was, she truly embodied true feminism. There is no one in the world that can say that Mary was weak. Mary was not weak. Mary was so strong. Yet if you see the way she was in scriptures, she was so docile. She was so gentle in the way she did everything. I love the story of the wedding at Cana. I love that Jesus' first miracle was done at the request of his mother. So if you look at that story from a different perspective, you see that there was a wedding going on. And before anyone even noticed that the wine was running out, Mary noticed. Because a woman has a different intuition about these things. We have a way of seeing a big picture. And Mary noticed that the wine was running out. And she very quietly, very subtly, didn't want to embarrass the hosts and told Jesus, the wine is running out. And even though he fought her and said, woman, it's not yet my time, she just looked at the servants and said, do what he tells you to do. And in her very subtle way, she didn't nag him. She didn't yell at him. She didn't demand anything of him. She was so subtle and so gentle, yet Mary took care of that situation. She genuinely took care of the guests at the wedding at Cana. And Mary will do the same for us. Mary will always take care of us. If you're ever looking for someone to be your guide, she's it. Mary is the one. She is, the demons are afraid of her. The demons are terrified of her. So I'd like to share a quote that was actually spoken by a demon. It was recorded during an exorcism. So the demon says, she is full of light. She blinds me, blinds me curse. When she was born, the world stopped for a moment. All creation stopped to look at her. All creation. The stars, the air, the fire, the water, the ground. All creation stopped. No one noticed besides me. I knew it. I knew who she was and I could not do anything. I could not touch her. She was pure, pure. Enough, enough. Do not make me remember. She is like balsam. She soothes wounds. Those are the deepest. If you only knew how much she loves you, she would live. you would live your lives joyfully without fear, without sin. Through her, 
you would understand how much hurt sin causes the son. Another demon is reported to have said, she is on a cloud and is saying, be calm, I am here with you and I am helping you. There is a reason why so many of her titles are about assistance. Our Lady of Help of Christians, Star of the Sea, Mother of Mercy, Mother of the Church, Mother of Charity. So these are all from um, Carrie Grass's book, Anti-Mary Exposed, but there's just so many more testimonies in her book about Our Lady and about how she's here to rescue the culture, um, to really, truly be the example for women. So truly pray with your relationship with Our Lady. Pray that daily rosary, even if you just start with one Hail Mary a day, just to ask for her guidance in your life. So ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, a female voice among the male voices of Pilar and Jeff, of Sean and of Ennis. I hope you found it refreshing. So please pray for me and I'll be praying for you. God bless.